So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, everyone. We're back with another episode of Running Rugby Podcast. It's been a few weeks since you've heard from us. Um, apologies for that. Life just getting in the way, as well as a sneaky, spicy cough in the mix as well. But, boys, we're reaching the halfway mark of Super Rugby Pacific, and we're finally going to see some Australian versus New Zealand matches in the upcoming round, the famed Super Round in Melbourne of all places, probably not the place we would have picked for the first ever Super Rugby um, Super Round, but still some exciting times and an outstanding spectacle for anyone down there in Melbourne. Three days of double headers um, out of Amy Park. It's going to be amazing to see um, to see how these Australian teams, whether we do stack up against our New Zealand counterparts. Yeah, absolutely. Weather's forecast is looking pretty fresh but nice and clear which is a nice change for recent weather on the east coast here so hopefully a nice dry track lots of attacking rugby and the, the first outing of new zealand conference non-conference teams against the australian side there's a lot of big matchups and not a lot of uh favor with the bookies on any of these aussie teams no absolutely not and so obviously we've missed a couple of weeks here boys but the most recent sort of round, um, the big sort of highlights probably being the the Blues taking down the Crusaders, handing them their second loss of the season, 27-23. Papalihi and Rico Ioani immense in this one. Um, that as well as the, the Waratahs getting a big win over in Perth um, to make it two from two against the Force as well. Um, other than that, I thought we could have a bit of a look at how the table is sitting ahead of the second half of the season and what we're expecting for, because probably not what we would have expected with um, three teams being with seven wins, one loss, those being the Blues, Brumbies and Reds, uh, with the Blues just ahead of the Brumbies on points difference, but both on 31 points there, uh, with the Crusaders sitting in fourth on two um, defeats so far. Yeah, I think the Blues, obviously, you know, we weren't quite sure whether they'd be able to back up their form from last year, but they're looking really good. Crusaders, generally slow starters, but some of their form has been quite mixed this year. And, um, you know, no real excuses for that. I think they're just probably not at their prime yet. Um, but hopefully the Australian teams can take advantage of that in the coming matchups. Waratahs, again, I think, look, we said that they were going to be better than people thought this year. Um, but after this, you know, eight-game period, five wins, that's pretty promising. And I think that'll mean that they'll they'll eventually make it into the finals, which is a, a huge result for them off a, a winless season last year. And Darren Coleman has really brought this team together. So just reminding those who may not um, be familiar, but... Of the 12 teams, eight will make the final series in this. So 
um, over half the teams in the league. So all these teams would be wanting to make an appearance in the finals. Um, obviously, with two Australian teams in the top three, um, we're hoping for some strong showings. But Leo, there's some some disappointing news coming out of the Queensland Reds camp. I think something that's going to hurt them moving forward. Yeah, at least for the next four weeks or so. Uh, fortunately, James O'Connor, it's reported he's picked up a knee injury. We can only assume that that's in training, and uh, it, it seems that four weeks they'll be without him. They've they've moved uh, Lawson Crichton into the ten position, so sounds like he's about to make his debut this weekend, which will be a, a pretty big ask against a, a, a Hurricanes team full of firepower. Um, so hopefully the stability around the rest of the backs group uh, will, will give him the, the support he needs. They've obviously got some pretty experienced seasoned guys there now, and, and I think you can expect to see a bit of Hunter moving into first receiver at times as well, just to keep it all flowing. Hamish Stewart's obviously a serviceable distributor as well, so... Lots of support there. Hopefully, it doesn't hurt them too much. It's a, it's a terrible time of the of the calendar to pick up an injury like that. Coming up against some of the dominant New Zealand teams, trying to prove themselves equals, and especially that since they um, won't have Pattaya at least this week after suffering an injury on the weekend as well. Um, good to see the likes of Vunivalu back in that team, though. Um, only a few touches on the weekend pretty limited minutes, but still managed to show off a little bit of class and skill there, creating an overlap on the outside. Um, so good to see the likes of him and people like Dalgunu starting to find a bit of form as well. Yeah, they're blessed with some pretty good depth in their backs. Even at 10, I think Lawson Crichton's um, sort of handy. It'll just be, I guess, that lack of exposure from the you know minute one full intensity and against these New Zealand teams and their tempo. Um, but, yeah, with Jock Campbell back to fullback, he's got plenty of experience there. Dalguna and Vunavalu just need to keep the discipline tight and uh, they'll be they'll be rampaging down the wing looking for opportunities to score all, all game. So let's have a look at Super Round and what's going to make it up. And we kick off on Friday night. Um, Waratahs and the Chiefs uh, starting off this, obviously, those two teams sitting pretty close on the table at fifth and sixth, both with five wins. Obviously, Chiefs um, with a win over Moana Pacifica most recently put a good 40 points um, on them last week, uh, as well as wins over the Crusaders in recent weeks as well um, versus upstart Waratah's team. Boys, what are you thinking about with this one? Um, obviously, I think, Everyone's going to pick the Chiefs as favourites. We already highlighted the bookies seem to have uh, um, all the Kiwi teams up here. Uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I don't think it's going to be as one-sided as the bookies are predicting. The Chiefs have had their struggles this year too. Um, but the Waratahs, to give themselves a chance, really have to, to lead with their defence and the physicality they've been bringing on year. I think they may have the best tackle completion percentage in the, in the whole of Super Rugby. So they've been making their tackles. They've been tight in defence. And I think it's come down to attitude a lot of the time too. They're willing to back up, get off the ground quickly and really keep that defensive line strong. So if they can stifle the Chiefs for points early and frustrate them, um, I think they can find some opportunities in this game. 
Look, a win might be a stretch, but I, I'm prepared to say, look, I think they can keep it within 10 points. Um, there's a few changes to the team with Roberts coming in at inside centre, which might be a bit of a concern. You know, um, that combination with Lalakai, Fichetti and Parise has been pretty handy for us all year. And, you know, having Edmed playing well, he's going to have to adjust having Roberts outside him, who, although he's a veteran, you know, he's getting on in years as well. So there's a few changes there. Harrison comes in as well at 15. Um, so the Tars, not the, you know, not complete cohesion there in their team, but their forwards are looking pretty stable, which is a great thing. And yeah, hopefully Charlie Gamble and Hoops can run around, you know, run these Chiefs around a bit. The Chiefs starting a, a slightly shifted back line. They've got Quintapaya playing out on the wing uh, and they've put uh, Rameka Pohippi in the centre. So uh, I, I reckon I'd be more worried if Tapaya was um, there up against that centre combination, but um, Mark Nwanganitwasi is going to have his work cut out for him, keeping Tapaya under control out there. I'm sure they'll be trying to feed him plenty of ball. So, I mean, it's a, and it's a really solid back row, but actually for once, I guess the Waratahs and the Chiefs, the, the back rows look pretty competitive against each other. Like Solakul is a massive runner. Jacobson's been excellent and Kane's always a threat in the ruck. But Gamble and Hooper, that combination last week actually looked really solid. They got through a bunch of work. They were threatening at the ruck. Um, it was a really sort of fast, mobile, strong defense uh, combination. And Harris has been on a tear scoring tries, not in the last week or two, but um, certainly so far this season, he's, he's one of the top try scorers, um, earning, earning I think, the third or fourth spot on tries for Tonga's rankings. So uh, there's there's plenty of competition there in, in saying that traditionally Chiefs had a strong back row. Now Waratahs hopefully can match up with that. Hopefully set piece holds strong and, yeah, the Waratahs take some, some chances, score some tries. Yeah, and the fact that the Chiefs are missing still Brad Webber um, as their normal number nine. So um, having uh, Ratima and Gatlin as their 9-10 combination surely um, isn't a settled combo, even though they did look reasonably good against the Pacifica last week. Um, boys, what do you reckon the bookies have the line as on this game? Oh, it's probably... I don't know that the I've seen I've already seen the odds. I think it's probably out at something like eighteen or so points, probably more. Yeah, I'll say twenty-two and a half. I yeah, it's. I mean, I just from from what we talked about offline a bit earlier with the fact that even the Brumbies are at pretty long odds. You know, the New Zealanders are heavily favoured in all of these games. Um, so yeah, Tars, although they are much improved, I think that kind of thought thoughts around them from last year, I think are going to linger. And so, yeah, I'd say the line's pretty big. Only 15 and a half points, um, and the bookies at the moment, uh, for that. So, um, Leo takes that one then just, but yeah, definitely some long odds with the Waratahs being at $5, um, to take a win in this one. Very tough to to um, put any faith in them bringing out the win, but definitely, hopefully, for a strong game for the first game of the Super Round. Um, that's followed up by the Moana Pacifica and the Force on Friday, late 8.30 p.m. local time. Um, and the 
no odds on down for this game at the moment that I can see. Um, but is this the real test for the minor Pacifica here? They get to come up against an Australian team that's been underperforming. Um, they've been told they have to be competitive in their first year. Do they really need to start showing a little bit more sort of um, ability to put points on and get victories here? They have looked pretty good some weeks. It's, it's It has been inconsistent. Um, but this is probably an ideal matchup for them. The Western Force, who have sort of chopped and changed their team around a bit, not sure exactly what the logic is there. I don't think it's all injury-forced. Um, they they really haven't quite settled into a rhythm and, you know, they've, they got absolutely trounced by the Tars last week. So really they should um, they should be trying to settle in combinations so that they can uh, get some consistent performances out. We've just heard that this game has been postponed as well, unfortunately. Um, that just gives them more time to prep. I guess poor mine and Pacifica might be playing another midweek game. Yeah, so the force, um, too many players under the COVID protocols at the moment, so unable to field a team, it looks like. So, yeah, unfortunately, will be postponed, which takes us on to the Sunday afternoon game. And the first one is the Blues, um, hot and on a high after that win in Christchurch, taking off the Fiji and Drua. Um, tough, tough um, game for the Drua to have in this uh, super round. What margin yeah, do you think they've got the Blues at, guys? Well, it doesn't look like they've the Drua even fielding their their standard lineup. There's a few guys out, um, which makes me worry even more because only that sort of back combination has been lighting things up at times in games versus the Blues now to be substituting new players in. I mean, this has got to be... Someone's going to have this out at 40 points. Let's go 39 and a half, won't, won't call it 40. Yeah, I, I wonder whether the Blues will use this opportunity to rotate quite a few of their players. So I'm going to say the Lions probably at around 28. But Toby takes that one because it's 30 and a half at this point as well. Though I haven't seen the Blues team being named at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if it's similar to what we saw with um, last time the Blues played the Moana Pacifica. Uh, probably the more um, interesting game will be Saturday night with the Hurricanes and the Reds. Um, Hurricanes getting away with a close one against the Highlanders, only um, scraping through by a point down in Dunedin on the weekend, 22-21. But they've had some up-and-down performances. But as Leo indicated, the Reds without O'Connor, that does tend to hurt them. Um, Tough for the Reds here. Tough for the Reds to to get on top of um, this Hurricanes team that seems to be able to put on a lot of points when they want to. Yeah, but in saying that, I think the Reds can match them in that regard. And you know, losing your pivot is never ideal. Um, but he's got a fair bit of support in and around, you know, Crichton's got a lot of support around him with Stewart and Campbell that can come in as more of a, you know, a playmaker. And even Paisami will have to step up with some of the kicking, I expect, um, and positional play. But the Reds, I think they can match them in the forwards in terms of physicality. I think our back row, uh, the Reds' back row is, you know, quite good. Um, and balance the number six has been looking pretty promising too. Connor Vest, um, 
And yeah, you just sometimes don't know which Hurricanes team you're going to get. So I think being a neutral venue, you know, have if it was at Suncorp, I'd be a lot more confident. Um, but I think it again, it's going to be a bit of a feeling out period with these these teams, um, maybe being a bit cagey around each other. Um, because there is a lot on the line when New Zealand teams play Australian teams for the first time. I think, you know, everyone's going to expect New Zealand teams to come out and, and really, you know, mess us up. But I think there'll be some real surprises, particularly given it's in Melbourne. There might be a lack of atmosphere there. Um, obviously, the Australian teams are a bit more familiar with the ground. And um, yeah, I'll just say, I really think the Australian teams can cause some upsets this weekend um, and surprise a lot of people. You know, there's always that, like I said, feeling out period where sides have, have obviously watched the footage, but it's not the same until you get out there and play them. And Reds are a high-quality team, and the Hurricanes on their day, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, they can beat anyone, but also they're, they're liable to come to, to games not quite switched on, and they do get punished for that as well. Um, so, yeah, just some interesting matchups. I think the Reds really do need to, to support Crichton. Because if he, if he, it's kind of like a Carter Gordon situation. If you come in as a young 10 and have a bad start to the game, things can really go pear shaped. So I think they've really got to get around him and make sure that he starts strong. Yeah. And that I think makes sense with the Brad Thorne mentality as well. Um, it'll be don't be awed by the occasion. Make sure we're solid in defense first before we go out to attack. Like they'd love to come out strong, put on 14 points and just blow the Hurricanes game plan entirely and make them chase. But I think that's probably too high risk for this situation. You've got uh, a substitute 10. You've got a, a sort of an unusual away away grounds atmosphere of the super round and a team that you, you know, probably haven't played a team with this intensity yet um, all out attack. So if they can weather the storm initially, um, they've got all those game-breaking players, Wilson and McWright and Tate and just, you know, Tupo, everybody there. Um, they'll get their opportunities and it's just making sure that the occasion doesn't um, sort of drag them drag them off into a, the wrong mindset. Definitely want to get some of those back rowers around Lawson Crichton and give him some support. I hope they don't hide him in defence. I just hate seeing 10s go missing, but maybe they'll drop him back with Jock Campbell to to do the receiving and kick returning. Um, mm. be, be good to have, um, you know, plenty of balls put up for people like Funavalu and Dalgunu to chase. Again, discipline, please. If I see Dalgunu go into, you know, trying to half tackle a guy up in the air, catching was, the ball this week. Yeah. His yellow I card just, though, just, on the weekend was not a yellow card at all. Yeah, I know. It's it's just frustrating. Like we, I'm always um, disappointed when I see it. I feel like these guys are professional sportsmen. They should be able to judge better um, in that situation. And you can just see Geordie going up and picking his legs up and some contact there. But yeah, it'd be nice to see this game not spoiled by yellow and, and play out a full 80 minutes, keep it nice and tight. I think the Reds are probably, um, you know, being, you know, give them a, give them an eight and a half point start. And, and that might be what the bookies are seeing. Give the Reds an eight and a half point start or give the Hurricanes eight and a half point start? Give the Reds the eight and a half point. So, yeah, so Hurricanes minus eight and a half because the Reds are getting the eight and a half start. Okay. Toby? It doesn't matter what you say. Leah's already got it. So <laughs> you're wrong anyway. Oh, well, then I guess the same as Leo. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> no, no points awarded for that. Zero. Points. I was probably. I was honestly. I was going to say about ten or twelve. So I would have gone higher. Yeah. So so far you've all gone higher anyway. Um, the next one would be Sunday afternoon in Highlanders Brumbies, which we were amazed at the fact that the Brumbies, despite being tied with the Blues um, in terms of overall points, going up against a Highlanders team that has won one game in this competition. Um, the Brumbies are over $2 in terms of um, odds on favourites there. Um, boys, is this is this just pure, just um, no one believing in Australian rugby at all until we see it here? I think it's, it's yeah, it's a bit of a prove it. Like the, the history is that the Australian teams struggle um, in the last few years where we've had this kind of separated series of competition or series of matches and once we mix the the outcome for the Aussie teams is pretty pretty poor like last year we had high expectations that we'd pick some games off we had the Reds and the the Brumbies taking two or three each and I think we're lucky if they all you know the three or four games total for the whole the whole Trans-Tasman series so it was pretty abysmal um so they're pricing that in which is you know it's not unfair disappointing but it's it's not not ridiculous. Um, I think the Brumbies should be favoured though. The, the scoreboard discrepancy that the Highlanders haven't lost every game by only a few points. Like they've had some some proper um, fails, like failures on the field. Uh, and the Brumbies are just such a settled team that they've got a couple of changes, but nothing that they can't overcome. I think they should probably be favoured. I think the the fact that the money is what it is probably means that the Highlanders are, are getting six and a half or something like that. Um, but I'd be I'd be comfortably putting some money on the Brumbies. This this game is the one that people should be getting on um, for the the upset, as it were. Yeah, and I could understand the the line, or sorry, even the odds being as they are. If it was at Forsyth Bar, I think that's pretty relevant. Um, that sort of home ground advantage, the Highlanders really feed off in Melbourne. We've really seen crowds struggle this year. Um, I just don't necessarily think the Melbourne public are going to get really around Super Round, particularly given how the Rebels have been performing. I think probably the interest in rugby is is waning a bit in Victoria. Um, so, again, it's, um, it's a situation where the Brumbies won't be phased by any of this. They're, you know, again, they're familiar with the, the ground. They've got a they've got a settled lineup, as Leo said, and they've been playing well all year for the most part. Highlanders aren't as good a team as the Brumbies, and I'm I'm quite yeah I'm I'm almost a bit shocked by the line. It's a bit disrespectful to probably I'd say still I'd say that it's still the best Australian team in my opinion, um, and they should be favoured in this game. So I'd be putting money on them, and um, yeah, I'd say what is it the line maybe like four. Four to the four to the Highlanders. So they're split right down the middle of you two. Leah just closer because it's five and a half um, to the Highlanders. Highlanders minus five and a half there. Um, I agree though. I can't believe that that's that's the line there. I don't think the Highlanders have been particularly impressive. They're not um, don't particularly have the firepower that the Brumbies seem to bring to it. Um, as as you say, Toby, one of the more um, impressive sort of Australian franchises for over the last five years at least. 
Um, the final game of the round is the Rebels uh, hosting the Crusaders. Um, and, like, obviously the Rebels have not been performing this year. They have been putting up fights, especially in more recent weeks. Um, obviously pushing the, the Reds last week down at Amy Park, sort of 36-32, um, despite sort of the Reds looking dominant early, the Rebels hung in there. And they seem to have a bit of a fighter around them, a bit of mongrel. Um, but this is a Crusaders team that, despite not being um, at full strength or firing on all cylinders, as we've seen in years past, should more than easily take care of this Rebels team. I guess it had to be the finale match of the weekend, but Jesus is going to be one-sided. Like, undoubtedly, the, the Crusaders won't play a full-strength team. Um that like if they did this would be just a bloodbath um but they're still very very good the rebels have kept themselves in some games obviously close close last week but um look this is this has got to be another you know 20 oh let's go 25 and a half um it's it's going to be a, at least a, a few tries i think the the crusaders will be comfortably running away with the bonus point on this one uh we really need Guys like Callaway and it's I think Leota's still not back yet. So there's just there's just not that many pieces in the Rebels full strength lineup that can that can match up to the Crusaders counterparts and um, you know, particularly things like the front row, just just are a weakness. Um, back row, sort of mixed, mixed feelings, and then there's pa- patches of you know, the center pairing at the moment um, through through the middle of the Rebels will We'll struggle, unfortunately, uh, I expect. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say like, what did I say? 24 and a half, 25 and a half, sort of. I'll say 24 and a half um, feels like the margin for this one. Not as bad as the uh, the Drewer, but certainly it's going to be a high-scoring game for one side. Rob Leota is back for this game. He's been named at six um, for the Rebels, so he's finally making his return. That helps. Still 24 and a half. <laughs> I'll go 28. I um, Look, I was impressed with some of the things that the Rebels did on the weekend. Callaway was looking good in parts and they scored some good tries, but I get the sense maybe the Reds were switching off a bit in that game. Um, I just think that the Crusaders, regardless of, of who they put out there, as a, a bit of a rugby academy generally, they have great depth. They just know their system so well. Um, I think they'll be more focused probably on the Waratahs game the following week, given the form of the Waratahs um, and being played up at Leichhardt Oval. That's always a bit more of a challenge. Um, but, yeah, look, Rebels, I hope the, the public get around them. I just don't see it. And I think that this could be really painful for them and and probably spell the end to, the, to their season. And then obviously with some, you know, equally tough matchups to come, it could be really shaky ground for Kevin Foote and the rest of his staff as they look towards next year and and maybe turning over their roster and, and looking for fresh, I guess, influences in that team. So they are down at 28 and a half. So Toby takes that one. Um, they're looking at the table at the moment. And as I mentioned before, it's the top eight teams that get in, which would mean currently um, the Rebels, Highlanders, Drew and Pacifica aren't going to be making it with the Hurricanes in the fourth sitting in seventh and eighth. 
Um, the force being the closest sort of seven points away from the hurricanes there. Do you think there's going to be any change um, really in the top eight that make it in? There's absolutely a chance that the Highlanders get in because they, while they've been pretty, pretty disappointing against their own countrymen, like the, the way the force and rebels have been playing has been really inconsistent. And I would expect that those are two games that, they should be targeting, and if they get them, that's two wins that the Force and the Rebels don't get. The Highlanders will be up on them. Um, I think the Waratahs, who have a four-win lead over the Highlanders currently and have been pretty pretty handy picking up bonus points as well along the way, they've probably got themselves uh, far enough out in front that no one's going to run them down. So I think really the Force and the Rebels should be... They're playing for that eighth spot and the Highlanders are their competition. I don't think anyone else... Um, suffers setbacks out of the top eight. The the likelihood is the Australian team slipped down into the bottom half of that top eight. So I think realistically we should be hoping that someone can hold on to a top four spot, but it's very likely then they'll be going head-to-head with an Australian side in the bottom four and, and knocking each other out come finals, whereas the New Zealand teams would like to be top four and trying to play through at least one round without knocking out a, a fellow New Zealand side. Yeah, I don't, I don't hold a whole lot of hope for the force making the playoffs. I just think that their form has been really up and down. And although they started the year well and they were looking pretty promising in the way they were playing, their, their selections, um, you know, their team sheets have been, yeah, just inconsistent. Um, and I think poorly chosen in a lot of ways. Um, and I know they've had some injuries, but putting guys like Kaitu on the bench, who's the captain. I just think some of the selections there have been a bit curious. And with Tim Sampson moving on next year, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if he's coaching for his next job or not, but um, at the moment, I think the Highlanders are a better team. The Waratahs should stay in there. And I think it's going to be, yeah, five New Zealand teams in with the Waratahs probably slipping down towards eighth, but you're going to see, I still think the Brumbies and Reds can challenge the majority of these New Zealand teams and kind of fly the flag for the Australian, you know, the Australian franchises. Do you predict that any Australian team will end up in the top four? And if so, which ones or one? I don't think so. Unfortunately, like I'd like to say so, but the, the Blues are obviously already out on top. The Crusaders will pick up wins that the Brumbies and Reds won't be able to match um, across their New Zealand games. Like we've got to remember as well, I think we get extra games. There's two or three extra games where we sort of play Australian or Fiji and Drua teams um, more than extra New Zealand games. So there is a bit of a soft finish later in the season, isn't there? So... So it's sort of flipped around more. So most of the time you're only playing two games against um, Australian or the Fijian teams and you might play one New Zealand team twice as opposed to the New Zealand teams, which is sort of the opposite of that. So there's a few teams that do play two um, games against New Zealand teams, but um, it's usually only one New Zealand team that you'll do that against. Yeah, so if you give the Brumbies, Reds and Waratahs one extra win right now, um, and then say that all the games are pretty even after that. Uh, the Crusaders, the Blues, and the Chiefs are all near enough. It's just the Hurricanes who need to need to pick up at least 
four, then I guess four wins over the top of the Brumbies and Reds to leapfrog and, and push them down. So does that mean you're putting the, obviously the Blues and Crusaders above the Brumbies? Are you putting the Chiefs above the Brumbies then? Yeah, I think so. Like, the, And then you're the Chiefs... also putting the Hurricanes above the Brumbies as well. Well, that's, that's where I'm saying is the line. That's my threshold. So if I give the Brumbies and the Reds an extra win that the Hurricanes then have to match or beat, that's that's the tipping point. So there's a possibility that Brumbies hold on to fourth. I don't think there's another team in the top four, and I sort of agree with Toby at the moment, especially with O'Connor out for this middle part of the season. Unfortunately, that's going to hurt the Reds more than it's going to help them. So I'd have to say that the Brumbies might get to hold on to four, but the Hurricanes probably do climb up to five, maybe maybe only six. The Reds might be able to hang on to five, but that that just ends up with a, I think it's a fourth, fifth, isn't it, in the playoffs? Is it first v eight, second v seven? So, so fourth, fifth is terrible for us because it's Brumbies versus Reds first round. But no, if you're if you're saying the Hurricanes are going to be that close, it's probably going to be Brumbies Hurricanes one way around, either in Wellington or Canberra. Then you're thinking, maybe, and then the maybe. Reds potentially drop further down and end up heading to Hamilton to play the Chiefs. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in that. I, I think at most we get one in the top four. And yep. probably we have someone fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably the best we can hope for. Okay. Sorry. I'd be rel- sorry, I'd be relatively optimistic that the Brumbies even finish third. Um, Reds, I think, like you said, Leo, O'Connor is a big out for them. That could really define the next few weeks. So I think, yeah, they could easily slip down to fifth or sixth. But I think that it really would should should be the Highlanders and Waratahs in the seventh and eighth position. So I could I could you know if the Reds do overperform, they could easily be sitting there in in fourth. Um, it's just really uh, for me, it's hard to predict. You know the outcome with some of these Hurricanes and Chiefs lineups that get put out week to week and their varied performances. I think the Crusaders will come good, and the Blues are looking like the team to beat at the moment. Um, but I, I would be optimistic that even the Reds could finish in the top four. I don't think it's out of the question, um, but they do need to improve. They tend to be winning these close games and they're pulling out wins maybe that they shouldn't get. Um, but I don't think that they've even come close to to playing at the peak of their powers yet. So if they can get some guys back in time for playoffs, you know, in the latter few weeks, then maybe they can make a, a big run. But yeah, it, it does seem as though the playoffs, the, the top eight is fairly predictable at this moment in time. And, yeah, look, we could see, like, the Waratahs drop every single one of their last games, but I do think that teams are going to kind of dig in now and, and really hold on to their positions on the table for the most part. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this weekend, how many red cards do you think we see in Super Round? We saw two last weekend, and that seems to be about the average we're seeming to see most weeks around that sort of between one and three th- a weekend. I think just one, but I, 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 it's very different these days given it's a 20-minute rule. So it just doesn't have the effect on games that it did before, and so I think refs are just more willing to pull out the card if needed and obviously the interpretation of you know direct contact to the head, no mitigating factors it's, I feel like the threshold is just far lower for a red card. So we just tend to see more of them. But that 20 minute rule is a real savior. Yeah. 
yeah, I agree that the threshold is definitely lower. They're, they're doing everything they can to remove the dangerous contact from the game. And, you know, m- most of them are people going into rucks and, and taking a head. Uh, it's, it's rarely like a horrific high shot. It's rarely someone absolutely clattering into a, a guy in the air receiving a ball. Um, it's it's kind of more technical stuff, but it, it's just got to it's got to be done to reinforce that you can't you can't go into contact areas in a position where you know you're you're, you're too close in your margin of error to contacting someone high. Um, two, I think, is probably to be expected. Um, I think that's that's probably about right. That that feels like there could be. Uh, definitely a couple of games, especially with the intensity that is going to be played. It's going to be some desperate efforts and uh, tired bodies. I think there's definitely two in this weekend. But it, like Toby said, I, I don't think it hurts the games as much anymore. There's teams that have held on through a red card and even scored points when they're a man down, yellow or red. So certainly teams aren't going into their shell throughout those periods anymore. I'm still, I think I'm still in favor of having that intermediate orange card system that people have talked about. So the red card really is like the last resort. That but is there anything you've seen that's a red? Report. I think, like, yes. I mean, not this season, not this season particularly. I think a lot of the malice out of these shots have gone out of the game. I think actually teams are a lot more cognizant of, you know, controlling their discipline because they know that these wins are so precious. Um, gone are the days where you just think, oh, I'll do that overly aggressive thing. I'll get away with it. There's cameras everywhere. They're looking at replays all the time. And it's, I think teams, you just, you won't get picked if you're that sort of player anymore, you know, bar maybe Lockie Swinton, who's trying to clean up his game as well. But there's, there's a lot of changes to the game. I think generally it's just a cleaner game. And a lot of the time it's just that incidental contact where a guy's dropped his body height slightly before the tackle and he's got collected in the head. And no one's really trying to do that. Um, I think it's a bit different in something like rugby league. Um, and the rulings on that are a lot less harsh. Um, but because of the way the game's being refereed in the last few years, I think players have just cleaned up their acts big time. I still do get surprised with how many people are doing shoulder charges still as like the second man in and they just drop an arm and yeah. don't even make any. I guess it's so easy to. So easy to do that, more like a bump, even like. Yeah, and I think it know, must have just been happening a lazy. lot without every, anyone ever sort of taking yeah. notice of it. And now it's actually finally being looked at. It can be quite yeah. a defensive posture. Like sometimes guys aren't running in; they're Take. just kind of bracing the impact, yeah. and they're protecting their arms. Like if they don't have a good position to wrap an arm and make a tackle by sticking an arm out, they're risking, you know, hurting their finger or or elbow or shoulder or whatever. So. Um, it's more of a kind of brace and, and receive the contact more than running in and absolutely, you know, dropping your 120 kilos into a guy's sternum. So in that sense, yeah, I agree that there's probably, maybe there's some room there for people who are bracing and like, I guess that's where it gets mitigated down. It's like lower, lower impact, lower force of contact. Um, but yeah, just back to like reds versus oranges. I, I can't think of a scenario this year or even recently where, where the the difference between you know, like a guy gets sent off, he still can't come back on. The the team, the the penalty against the team, often in those situations, if you're anywhere near the goal line, it ends up being a penalty try anyway. Um, I can't think of an example where a guy 
does something so reckless and dangerous that the whole team and the rest of the game needs to be penalized for the rest of the minutes. So I, I almost I don't see a need for anything more than what they've got now. I think this is the right balance. They've probably done as much as they can to to reduce the destruction of the quality of the of the game of of the viewing to the to the fans by taking twenty minutes for the for the person to for the team to be down a man and and that's enough and. You know, obviously, for an individual, if you're going to be really reckless, you're going to get a bunch of weeks as well, and that should be enough for disincentive because that's, you know, your job, your reputation. It's not going to be looked upon happily by the coach. Before we wrap things up, we are halfway through the season, so I wanted to get a few quick reactions of you guys um, about sort of what we think is going to happen with Wallabies and All Black squads coming forward. Um, probably the most a uh, recent sort of example I saw with the Blues Crusaders on the weekend, Barrett Moanga, who do you still have on top? I mean, that game was clearly a Barrett game. Overall? Um, yeah, or just just solely that game. And, I mean, that's the perfect, the perfect one to, to look at um, if you want to take a really specific snapshot because they're obviously facing up in each other and, one success puts pressure on the other to do something miraculous. Bowden is definitely playing better back in Super Rugby. Like he looks much more in form, much more um, up to the speed of the game. And for me, it's it's like I think Moanga should still be the incumbent, but Bowden's definitely, you know, trying to kick the door down. Whereas last year, I didn't think it was that close. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, Richie's in a position at the moment where. I think his form over the last couple of years just gives him that selection. But, mm. I mean, look, it could change if, if the Blues go on this run the whole season, win the win the whole of Super Rugby, and Bonin's playing a pivotal part in that. Wouldn't be completely surprised if he gets the 10 position. Um, he's looking fresh. He's looking sharp. Um, I feel like he was showing his age a bit more last year. He looks like he's come back into this team a lot more fired up and focused and ready to go. Um, but yeah, um, I think obviously the World Cup is a carrot there for him as well. Just super quick reactions for these other ones um, in terms of making All Black squads. Lester Fanganuku, Caleb Clark does just one, both. Who would you put? I don't think guys like George Bridge and the the incumbents of the last couple of years have really been. That I think Bridge is going to miss out. He's not. Yeah. He's not in good. Severus will be there. Yeah, I think they're both too. You think both? I mean, Caleb Clark probably still has. Some I'd leave. I'd, I'd leave Caleb Clark out. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's the lesser of the two. But it's. I hard think he to... had that an amazing run, and people really, you know, said he was the next coming of Jonah Lomu, and since then. He really hasn't been able to back it up. And I knew, know he's had some injuries, but still he hasn't come close to that form he showed a couple of years ago. Who's your third halfback for the All Blacks at the moment out of Aaron Smith is there um, anyway, but pick two out of Finlay Christie, um, Brad Weber and TJ Perinara? I don't think it's Perinara. I leave Perinara out. See, I pick Perinara and Finlay Christie. Okay. I don't rate wow. Weber that highly. Has Papali'i done enough to upset Sam Kane for that seven position? Oh, Papali'i is so good. And he's gotten bigger somehow. Um, 
But is Kane... Ridiculous game on the weekend he played. Yeah, just phenomenal. Is Kane the captain still? He is the captain. Yeah. So, is I he... mean, yeah. I Sam Kane's still Whitelock. the captain when he's healthy. No, no he was Whitelock covering. is stand-in when Sam Kane yeah. has one of his inevitable injuries that will keep him out for the next six months. I mean, this is unfortunate. I think Papali comes off the bench. I don't think they should push him into six. Um, it's it's a McWright Hooper problem. <laughs> and is that yeah. the same? Is that the same thought you have with McWright Hooper still? Hooper still well and yeah, on top there. It has to be like McWright's amazing. I just I don't think there's anything he can do he can do to usurp Hooper. Hooper would have to completely fall out of form and basically relinquish the captaincy. And I don't think that's likely to happen. He certainly doesn't look like he's falling apart. Although it's only, you know, he's only early back into the, the fold now. So as long as he keeps playing strongly, you, you two tries in two games, not a bad effort from Hooper. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you accept even if he wasn't playing as well as Fraser, you kind of accept that you're taking a slight deficit of, of individual skill to get the captaincy and the leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Papa Lee's a lot closer to Kane than McWright is to Hooper. And I think that's, you know, that's partly an experience thing as well. Papa Lee's been around a little bit longer in Super yeah. Rugby yeah. and he's really just starting to show how good he is. But he also is a bit of a, I would say, a bit of a 6-7 hybrid almost. He's he's almost too big for a 7 in some ways. But, um, yeah, he looked the part on the weekend. Kane, I think the experience... Coming into next year, I think Kane's probably still your man. Mm-hmm. But again, that could change very quickly. A bit of well, bad this, form from Kane and, and he's out. So Yeah, this this year is the year to change, right? Because you're two years out, not one year out. So if they're going to make such a change, a big, make it soon. It, it's just such a big change. And it's the same situation. It's your captain. So yeah. again, it's it's more impactful than just making a, a change, you know, positionally. You actually are changing the leadership on the field as well. Hooper looks great. McWright, amazing player, and his mm. time will come. But but Michael Hooper is one of the best Wallabies ever. You could probably argue he is top five best. I thought you were going to say best time. ever. I was going to have to say no. Oh, I think that I think he's in the conversation. Mm. You know, that's um, another conversation to have, though. Yeah, that would be a long one to have. I think. Uh, on the Wallaby side, we just talked about Hooper McWright. Um, Who do you put above right now? Darcy Swain, Matt Phillip. <laughs> Matt Phillip. He did the run, the the weird run thing again on the weekend. I can't get past that. He's just not athletic enough for me. I think Darcy's the future. Matt Phillip had a nice little period where, he, you know, he was almost the most experienced guy in there and he was reliable, but... I think as an athlete, if we're going to match it with New Zealand and someone like Brody Retallick, you want Darcy Swain or, or someone of that mould rather than Darcy a guy and Rodder, just, if he's fit. Rodder's just a, a better version of Matt Phillip, you know. Yeah, Matt Phillip's serviceable, but he, he should not be Matt Phillip should not be starting for the Wallabies. If he is, we've got some problems. Um who misses out on the halfback stakes? You've got Nick White. Tate McDermott, and then you're probably tossing up between Lonigan and Gordon. Drop one. That's real. I think, unfortunately, Lonigan. Yeah, it's still Lonigan. Really? Like, on form, well, he probably deserves to be there over Gordon. Wow. Yeah. 
Wanigan brothers just re-signed till 2025 um, with the Wallabies. That that just means they know that their time will come. Because um, Nick like Nick White will be Nick White will be gone. Yeah, it's, you know Nick White will probably go to Japan. Ryan Lonigan could be the Brumbies halfback for the next eight eight years. You know, like he is he's a serious player, and I think with him and Tate McDermott, we're going to have two great halfbacks for the next you know five to ten years. Um, Bolter for the Wallabies team. We saw Ben Donaldson initially in the Pony squad. Um, now, who would you be putting into that squad? Would it still be Donaldson, Tane Edmed? Um, would you be putting Will Harrison in or Pasitoa, someone else? I always thought Pasitoa deserved it, um, but maybe not. Maybe the form of the, the force has sort of dropped off. Maybe with his form, they've dropped off a bit. I don't know that Tane Edmonds done enough more than Donaldson. Um, and Harrison, I mean, he's playing fullback at the moment, which I think works for the Waratahs, but I don't think it helps his Wallabies chances, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Donaldson's the guy still, and people have forgot that a little bit because Edmonds had some good form the last couple of weeks. Donaldson's back on the bench this week, and he'll be challenging Edmonds for that starting position. And Tane Edmonds a good player, but... I think he needs to show a bit more for a longer period of time to be selected in the Wallabies. Like he's obviously got talent and I know the Waratahs would like to retain him, Harrison and Donaldson. What's his best move? I'm, I can't Reds. answer that question. Um, possibly something like that. I mean, people are talking about the Brumbies, you know, but wherever he goes, he's probably not going to walk into the the number 10 position. It's going to be a challenge, you know, even if he went to the Rebels, you're probably going to have Tamur and Carter Gordon there fighting it out with him. So you've got to look at systems. I think the Waratahs are a good place to be at the moment, but it's not fully decided. These guys are all young, and that's the problem. They're all got the you know next 10 years ahead of them. Um, but Donaldson, I think, from a fo- pure footballing perspective, he, he showed a lot this year, and I think he deserves to keep his spot in the Wallabies. And finally, wing spots in the Wallabies. Um, do we see Vonivalu in a Wallabies jersey this year? I reckon that's dependent on they bring back Marika. Like if he gets one of those tickets, which I'm okay for our question. Will. Do they bring back Marika this year? Well, I mean, then that depends on the form of the guys here. It's hard to leave Marika out though. I mean, he's just. I, I assume he will be brought back in. I assume it'd be him and Karevi. Um, so based on that, I think Vinavalu's got to beat out a number of people, which is um, it's a pretty tall ask. But I mean, he's pretty elite. And if they're considering Pattaya more of a fullback now, maybe that helps his case. It takes one one extra guy off the wing that might have been in consideration last year. So Vinavalu is almost the cutoff. Probably keeps Dalgunu out. Probably keeps Muirhead out. But like. Tom Wright is a certainty. Um, who else is there? Like Callaway. Callaway. I think Marika. I think this goes this goes Tony beyond. Pulu. This goes beyond just pure selection. This is literally <laughs> a guy they want to stop from going back to league. Yeah, I think it's a big it's, factor. You know, they they want him to be happy in Union. They know he's an asset that is probably worth persevering with. You know, he's got his issues off the field. He's had some really bad luck with injuries. Um, but I, 
you know, having seen how good he's been in part in rugby and obviously his history in league, I think he's worthwhile, you know, keeping in the mix. I think Rennie's really aware of that and he knows that if that guy feels like he's on the outer at all, he's going to walk. Um, so I think he'll definitely get selected. I don't think Marika will come back. I think they'll probably bring Arnold and Samu Karevian as the, the biggest priorities. I think Marika needs to be there for next year, but I'm not sure that they'll rush him back in for this year's tournaments. I guess that's the opportunity to develop some more depth by not having him there because if you bring him back, you're going to play him and that's one less position available We've got a lot to of develop depth in people. the outside backs. And I yeah, think that's, that's right. the yeah. real bonus. Compared to yeah. locks, so as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Might unearth another Callaway gem if we give them the opportunity without being stuck behind Marika when they don't need to be. All right, let's leave it there, boys. A bit of a longer one, but we've been gone a while, so needed to catch up on what we think is happening um, looking forward because we're getting closer and closer uh, to those international series, England for Australia, Ireland for New Zealand. Going to be big series coming along in just a few months, but this weekend, Super Round in Melbourne. Tune in. If anyone is in Melbourne, get out there for a couple of double headers. I'd love to be going out to them. Hopefully they get some good um, crowds in watching some of these games because they should be good. And hopefully we get a few Australian wins and show the bookies um, what's really going on with Australian rugby. Otherwise, guys, make sure you are liking and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and following us on our social media accounts at Running Rugby Podcast on Instagram or at Running Rugby Pod on twitter um that's where you'll find us or can contact us if you want um tune in starting friday night just the one game unfortunately but two games saturday two games sunday rugby all weekend this long weekend anzac weekend as well i'll be watching let's hope everyone will be watching at home as well until then though we'll be back next week keep on running run 